You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. This is another episode of the Massive Report podcast. My name is Sam Fami. Uh, I usually don't like to talk very much on this thing, uh, but hey, what are the odds I get to host today? And uh, with me, I am joined by one Mr. Drew McDaniel. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. I'm doing great. All right. Well, that's good to hear on a Tuesday night after a unsavory result of the crew. But also, we have Grant Miller, who is coming on to uh, help us talk through this unsavoriness. Grant? How are you uh, holding up there? I'm hanging in there. Sam, it's next man up for the Massive Report pod right now. So we're going to put in a good effort and get the job done. And yeah, we'll find some things to be positive about. And we'll we'll have some things that uh, need to be kind of broken down. That is, that is well put. We are good at next man up. Uh, unlike some sporting teams, um, <laughs> we're not going to name names, uh, but they are local to Ohio. Not necessarily uh, the crew specifically, but this is a crew podcast. Um, so, gentlemen, um, look, we've seen the scenario before. We've talked about the scenario before. Uh, sadly, we have almost expected uh, this scenario uh, on the regular now because it's happened so often uh, to the tune of 15 times, I believe. Um, 16. 16 times. Thank you. Such well, high number yeah it's it's um it's crazy but let's go um drew let's talk about how you saw your overall let's let's do this let's talk about your overall impression of the game uh and how and here's i want you to to close with this your overall impression of the game how things went the story about how much of the game you attended and then also whether the crew deserved that result or not better or worse. Okay. So uh, I'll start out with the story of how much of the game I saw. Uh, I watched all the way up to the 85th minute and then I bounced to get to the crew two game. So to me, it was a great game. Um, I, I mean, I had in the back of my head, Hey, don't like I had it on it was on ESPN I was watching it as I was going to the crew two game I wasn't driving but um good caveat to put there yeah just just so in case we're talking distracted driving don't do it but um yeah so I mean up until I mean stoppage time really uh or until we brought on some of the later subs it was a pretty good game for the crew uh i think we were unlucky to not get more than one goal i mean cucho had that chip attempt at the beginning um there was a couple other times i mean Derek's on off side goal was called back maybe fairly i haven't really gotten to take a good look i mean you win some you lose some i guess with those um so I think the way the game actually played out was good. And we were just very, very unlucky to give up that just goofy equalizer that uh, the Timbers scored. It was Moreno, I believe. And it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you're like, you watch that game, you're like, we should have won. 
there's no we we outplayed the Timbers at pretty much every level throughout the game. And then we just there's a goofy goal. Eloy Room makes amazing saves throughout the game. And yet we give up a tie. And I, I look back at it. There are 15 ties, so I was wrong about that 16. But man, it's it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. I think bummer is really the right word for that. Um, because I, you know, I feel that you're right. I think, I don't think the crew deserved that result. I think they, they actually deserved all three points, but those collapses at the end continue to happen, whether they play well or they play poorly. Um, and that has got to be frustrating. And Grant, I know you had to uh, decompress afterwards. So now that you've had a couple of days to, sit on it and just kind of think it through what what are your thoughts yeah i i don't think we played that well in the second half if we're getting into specifics i think the field was very much tilted towards our own goal uh and with that that happening and then just kind of the run of form that this team has had for this this year Within the Nordeck and specifically kind of our my section where I was at, you had this inevitable dread that they were going to equalize. Um, you know, when you're in the stadium, you don't really know just how much time you're into stoppage time. When I resaw the highlights and that we were, you know, past that four minute, uh, that was even more <laughs> frustrating and disheartening because you just kind of clear it, hopefully, and, and you don't run into that issue. Um, sure. I'm kind of past the point of being angry. I mean, <clears throat> not to re- reveal too much about myself personally, uh, but, you know, there were certain games this year, like the Montreal game where we just outright lost. Like, I was pretty pissed at the end of that. Um, you know, I'm going, even going back to the San Jose game week two, I'm, I'm kind of past the point of being uh, too affected by any of this. I don't know. Like the weather was nice. This team just is who they are at this point. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in this team, even if they're up two goals, uh, unless that second goal happens kind of in the way that like the Cincinnati, the home game against Cincinnati happens. Um, so yeah, th- this is just who the squad is. This is kind of how we'll remember this team uh, in this season, which, which sucks because this could have been a really, special summer uh, with Chucho coming in here and the amount of talent that's on this squad, you got to expect better. If we're going to be a team in a city that like does expect to lift trophies, then you got to shake things up a little bit and understand that this can't be the status quo. You you can't be a 15 tie team. And a lot of those ties happening, uh, not in gritty ways to where the ties feel like wins, like uh, just about every one of those ties feels like a loss. uh, when You go back to it. So it's, uh, it's I'm glad you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the San Jose game because that really set the tone for the rest of the yeah, season. It, if we look know, back on it, nip it in the bud then. And there were there were flashes where this defense looked good throughout parts of the summer, and you were like, oh, maybe we have something here. Milos gets healthy, but I have some working theories on why we can't close them out. I don't think anyone is without responsibility from you know top down on why we're dealing with this uh but i don't i don't know i don't you know some people there's big quotes about oh we need to fix this it's like dude it it just is what it is 
at this point. I don't, I don't know how you remedy it. I don't know how you look too optimistically at the rest of the season. And now I say that, talk to me uh, the afternoon of October 1st. I'm going to tell you we're going to get three points and everything's going to be great. It's just how I am. But right now, I, it's just, you know, this is who we are. And we're out of the playoffs right now. Yeah. We're sitting on the outside. So, yeah, I, I think this is, this is a good opportunity to talk about any and all theories because really in the great scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Um, this team is going to be hard-pressed to make it to the playoffs. If they do make it to the playoffs, I don't really expect them to go far. And I'm not saying that to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to be realistic in expectation. And that's, that's kind of a downer because like, like Grant said and like Drew said, it's like this team has a lot of talent and, and Cucho did bring a spark. Um, but you know, Brian Phillips joins us now, Brian thoughts. So, yeah, uh, I was watching the telecast the other day and, uh, Taylor Twelman brought up an interesting stat about all the points that we've left on the table this season. And you take those 15 draws, which I don't know what the MLS record is. Does anybody know what the MLS record is? 18. We could st- <sighs> we could tie it. We could tie the tie record, which was done, I think, last year by Nashville. 30 points on the table right there. Now, it, he also, I believe, if I remember correctly, he talked about blowing leads and losing games as well. And then if you add that in, we've left almost 40 points begging this season. So... Uh, <laughs> in a way chalked up to bad luck, you know, uh, in, I love baseball and things are easier to quantify in baseball than they are in other sports. And there are statistics that you can look at that tell you if a player or a team is just having a run of terrible luck. And over the course of the season, things tend to even out. I, is, is it all on these guys or is it just, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. How much, how much of this is just, just stupid and bad luck. And if we play these games over again, we get a different result. I don't know because it's, it's hard in the 95th minute against Portland where we give up the tying goal. And I knew it was coming. I just knew I felt it in my bones. You know, how often does, does that happen where you go? Well, that was just crappy luck. I don't know. I'm looking for anything here, guys. Help me out. That's like I consistent. Think you're right. That's like consistently crappy luck, though. I mean, there's it's one thing to to for it to happen once or twice, but like you said in in the stat that Taylor Twelman posted, is that the amount of points that were left on the table, um, that that's a level of consistency that you I don't think you can attribute it to luck, Drew. I think there's some of it that is bad luck. Like I think the Moreno go last last weekend, that's bad luck. I think the giving up the the game to Montreal after you have I don't know two hours to talk about how the heck you want to defend the ball, uh, that's that's mentality. I think there's a lot of mentality that is part of why we can't close out the games, mixed in with some bad luck. But then, of course, you know, we get some good luck with the Cincinnati. Is it offside? Is it not offside? There it gets the end goal. So I think the whole luck factor can't is, not, is just not consistent throughout the season. 
you get a little bit, you give a little bit. So I think it comes down to a lot of mentality there. We're just, why can't you clear the ball? Why are you defending so far behind? Like you're not even attacking. You're not putting pressure on the midfield. You're like the only way you're attacking in the, I'm thinking specifically of the Montreal game. It's just, just play a long ball to Cucho. Maybe he gets on it. He had a couple chances. He is one versus, I don't know, five, six. We were down can't. in that scenario. I, I do think it's worth mentioning in that specific one. In the Montreal home game? No. I think okay, we are talking about a way. Okay. No. There's been no. so many that I'm getting confused in my head. Yeah. Yeah. The Montreal home game, I'm specific. I'm talking. I was sitting there. I stayed throughout the uh, the mm-hmm. rain delay. And so I'm just watching us just boom balls up to Cucho. And somehow he's getting chances. And like taking defenders on, he's great. But you can see, you could see it in the Portland game. He's getting really frustrated. Like, yeah. things were great when we were winning. He's getting frustrated with himself too. I mean, there was yes. obviously some miscues, like of of where somebody should be on a pass or where somebody should be on a cross. But he's getting frustrated with himself because he scored, you know, eight and eight, and then he's yeah. like, "Why can't I score anymore?" And that's because people are are playing him in a different way because our wingers, to be fair, can't do really much. And and honestly, I was surprised that Kevin Molino scored on Sunday. Yeah. That, that was a high point of the game. I think that's worth talking about just a little bit. Uh, that was, you know, if you can get anything out of it, if they are going to make the playoffs, if they are going to show any signs of life, a guy like Kevin Molino has to be kind of the third guy. Has to be a little bit of the X factor. That was one of those was goals. Good. That was one of those goals that when it happened, you know, I, I'm not an amazing tacticist uh, genius in soccer, but it's like, do that every time. Now I know that's not how it works. Uh, back lines don't fall asleep like that, but that was just exactly how you draw it up. That's why you have a guy like Lucas that can kind of find a gap like that and, and put the ball where it needs to be. I mean, that if there's going to be a positive from um, this weekend, it's that, you know, Molino does kind of look up to snuff uh, and he doesn't back down. I've said it on this podcast. He, he can run with anybody on that field. And I, I do think, you know, there's a little proof of concept to him, him being legit. That might be, I think Kevin, you know, whatever. It's nice. Kevin's a good player. Yeah. I think, I think uh, last weekend was great because you got to see the best of him. Yeah. And or or what 60, is 60 minutes, 70 minutes. It's all yeah. at this point. But I, have I think the problem is with Kevin is he takes up too much space where Lucas does, which is why I don't think it works every game. No. And so it, I, mean, I, mean, I think it just, it worked for it worked in that moment. I I don't know. I mean, between the three, Diaz, Derek, and Kevin, like I do think Kevin's probably earned the starting spot on that side right now as it stands. I disagree, yeah, but I think Brian Brian was going to say something. At a refreshing change of tactics there, where Portland was playing three in the back, and and we were we were trying to beat them in the middle. Uh, you know, you think about the crew. A lot of times we're just bombing down the wing and crossing it to nobody, and and teams are defending us with most of their guys, especially if they're on the road. Most of their guys behind the ball. They're they know exactly how to defend this team and it's by clogging up the channels and 
this this has happened all season. Where if there's especially if there's not a big crowd at a game, we're on the road at Miami or whatever. You can hear Caleb screaming at his team, usually with the lead. Move up, get up, get your butts in gear, get upfield, and we just keep drifting back and defending. We fall into this shell with a one nothing lead. We have plenty of talent. You look at the rundown on massreport.com of the game grades, and I, I read them. I go, you know, it's weird that everybody gets a good grade, but at the end of the day, you played in such a way that you made it possible for one mistake in the death of death, in the wisp of time. Dumb goal. And Degenek played very well, but that was that goal was his fault, you know. And let's let's be honest. I mean, Room had to stand on his head there at the end and make some saves to even get us the the tie. So I think, you know, my point about luck was sort of: am I missing something here? I'm grasping at straws. But let's be honest: this team is not tough. They don't have will. They don't have will to win. It, and I can't understand why. Is it just they're tuning out the coach? Is it time for a, a change? A I have a bit of a theory on this. Um, and I, I think, and we've talked about Elo Room being a great of a shot stopper as he is, and he is. And I do think he's an exceptional MLS keeper in a league where a lot of teams don't really have uh, that high of a keeper. But he likes to hang back and react to shots a lot because he is such a good of a shot stopper. He's not pushing out, controlling the box. That's been a major criticism. He's shown moments during set pieces this year that he's done more of that. And I think it's, it's done. He's done well to improve that game. But I think in those closing minutes, he's so withdrawn. I think the team kind of lulls into this withdrawn shape just from the keeper being on the line so much. I, 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 you know, this is kind of just a big picture of the energy of the team kind of uh, resonates with. Eloy's not going to be a guy, you know, 10 yards out from the line, yelling, screaming, kind of a Zach Stefan, Stefan type. You can, you can see that how, how he operates. I think that energy affects, I'm not blaming Eloy for any of this. I just think that it does affect the shape and, and how the team defends in these moments. And I, I think there's something to that. I think, um, you know, if you look back into certain kind of the moments, there's a bit of a bit of that going on. What do you think their discussion points are? It, it could be Portland, could be anybody, it could be a team that we play more often than Portland. How do you think at this point we have almost a season of film? We have three seasons plus of Caleb Porter. Um, how do they scout us at this point? Just wait till the 75th minute and then try to. <laughs> I think you say there's some set pieces and that, you know, you can kind of overload them. I mean, how did Montreal get those, the, get those results? They, did. they put every single attacking player on the field that they had. So that is kind of part of, I push back sometimes when uh, the reaction is why are we sitting back so much? What, what are we doing? It's like, well, they had like six attackers on the field. We're not going to bring in, you know, it's just the way soccer works. You don't typically go six wide. I mean, you might bring an extra defender, but yeah, I think they say, Hey, you can overload these guys and, you know, just break them down. 
and somehow shots from outside the box some trickle in a lot of times. So it helps to kind of let it rip. You know what I saw? This is kind of a, a different point. But, um, and this I think speaks a little bit to the mentality, is when we get corner kicks, there was a, there's a couple of corner kicks I saw. We had four guys in the box. Four on 11. We're, we're not even trying on these to get overloads or mismatches or whatever. Like, I, I'm not sure what it is, but, like, the hunger to, like, get in there and score and get ahead and then also get in there and defend just is not there. And I, I haven't really thought about that, Eloy, uh, kind of being more on this line thing. I think that's an interesting point, Grant. Yeah, and I'm I'm biased because I this is a deep cut, but I played rugby growing up and I played the position called fullback, which is you're in the back a lot and you're dictating the defense. And like I, I can relate to where he's standing on the field and kind of operating. So that's just kind of where my mind goes on that. So I don't know if there's any credibility to that. I'm not a, a soccer coach. I'm a blogger and a podcaster, so I get to talk about it with you guys. What is the worst thing that ever happened to you on a rugby field? Uh, just some bad, like one-on-one missed tackles where you're just very exposed. Uh, cause if folks not listening, I played essentially free safety, uh, in the rugby field and you're one-on-one with people. And a lot of times I, I did great, but other times you just, you're going up against a guy that's more skilled and, uh, put me on ice. So that, that's, that's pretty embarrassing. That hurts the ego a little bit. But I thought you would say, well, one time a guy, took his thumb and tried to take my right eye out. No, I didn't get, I didn't mix it up in there. That would have happened in like a rock or a scrum. I, I was way out in the back. I didn't get to experience that. All right. I was just curious. <laughs> no, uh, no, I can appreciate it, Brian. That's awesome. I get to rugby, believe you me. Um, well, yeah, I think, I think we're kind of surrounding the problem here and it's mentality. And you know, on the outside looking in, team to to do this instead of this, we can hear it on TV, and they're not better. Maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Caleb Porter is is uh, he's founding. He really is. I think he's just one of those coaches that burns brightly and burns out, and we see him in every sport. Oh, look what he's done he wins a championship and then two years later, everyone's like sick to death of him. Is that the problem here? The players got a little Tortorella syndrome in him. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's definitely a possibility that the message is getting a little stale. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much on that, but I mean, if we're going to talk about it, you know, if they miss the playoffs, he's probably out. I think at this point, even if you make the playoffs and you go out early, you still got to make the change because there's too much talent still there uh, that you just, you can't waste, you can't waste right now. Do you, do you think that there is um, let's, let's go playoff probability. Um, What do you think the crew's probability of getting into the playoffs? They have four games left. No, three games left. One at home, two on the road, including that game in hand versus Charlotte. at, at this exact moment, what is what do you think the probability of the crew making the playoffs, Drew? Oh, man, I I have very little faith in us being able to win 
at Orlando and at home against New York. I I give a very high chance of us drawing in both of those games. Um, and so I think if you were to get five <laughs> points, yeah, I know it is funny, right? I think if you were to get five points, you do have a chance. So I think two draws and a win gives you a chance, but I'm looking at Miami's schedule right now, and that's who we have to jump. Uh, they have Toronto away, and Toronto's been a hot mess. I mean, they have offense, but they can't defend at all. They also have Orlando, um, and then they have Montreal. So Orlando could do us some favors. Montreal could do us some favors. I think it's a toss-up between them both. I think if you win Charlotte game, you have a chance. But Miami, I bet you gets one one of those games. So I th- I think we need to find a way to beat New York at home. And if you don't win that game, I think I think we're done at that point. Uh, so I'll give it game. And and New York is sitting third in the table, and they're kind of a lot like us. In they're that dropping. They're, they're, not, they're not the most prolific scoring team in the league. They they. They play well defensively, but that's the that's the maddening thing about this. Uh, you know, I look at goal differential when comparing teams, especially if they're not at the top of the table. Obviously, the Union at plus forty six, LAFC at plus twenty eight. It's a different tier. But but when you're when you're parsing out the end of the the playoff table here, so to speak. You know, Orlando has a minus six goal differential. They've had trouble scoring. Just like we have, but you know, we've been very stingy defensively. We're a plus five Red Bulls are only a plus eight. And, and it really like is very winnable and we're going to have some time to prepare for it. It's winnable. I'll say this to Orlando. It's not that they can't score is that they only score. And games where they win three zero, and then they lose games five to one. So it, I don't know. You don't. You have no idea what you're going to get with those those guys. They won the U.S. Open Cup and then promptly lost five to one or something like that. So down after that. yeah, and then I think they won four to zero the very next game. So who knows what you're going to get with them? So yes, Brian, you're right. the The New York game is super winnable. They just play so different. It is. You, you have to be up for a track meet. You have to be up for contested balls. And I don't like our chances on this because I don't like how the mentality of the team is. It seems that we're too fragile. And what you have to do when you're playing New York is you just have to get up there and run and just take on 50-50s, 60-40s, and tackle people. And it's, I just don't see us doing that. That's kind of what NYCFC did to them in this last game to, when they played this last weekend. Yeah, I would say, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like statistically, like 50, 50 shot, but like, I'm not, I'm not confident in that 50%, honestly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. 49. I, no, not even like, I, like if you told me, I was like, no, I don't think there's a chance that they're, they're going to make the playoffs, but like there is. And by the time the game comes around, I'm going to want them to win. Like, I want them to, I want them to win the cup. Like, I want them to want to win the cup. Like, I, like, we're still alive. Like, I, I want everything to, like, fix itself. But yeah, there's, there should be no talk about let's miss the playoffs so we can change things up. 
No, we, no, we should no. win. And players don't think that way. I mean, players. Yeah, no, no, but the, the fans. Some of the fans yeah. are saying that. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I like it. Last year, I mean, I don't. Last year, we we ended the season like hot. Like there was, I did have this belief that's like, man, if we could have snuck in there, who knows what could happen. Granted, it 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 did also eventually come down to a game at home against New York that we lost. Uh, so we didn't come through when we needed to there. But uh, I had a little bit of hope for this team, even going into the last day against Chicago. I'm like, who knows what can happen? This team, I'm just like, dude, end it. Like, I, I'm tired of getting my hopes up for this. I'm tired of caring. Uh, like, even earlier when we had that debate about who's going to play the wings, like, deep down, I don't care. Like, it sucks to say that, but it's like, what, why would we debate something like that when the whole project is, it feels broken? So, like, what are we doing? Like the, we're, uh, yeah, we're best tying our way to the end. Best case scenario, we get destroyed by Philly. Awesome. This team, no, no, no. You get you get to play Montreal in the first round. No, but you, best case scenario, we upset them. And then, yeah, I, I don't. It's just I don't get why. I like I renewed my season tickets, and I was like, I it's like why would I do that? But I'm I can't I wait. Think, I can't wait. For you're glutton for punishment. Well, I think you know, that the, you look around, like, what else you got going on? The Fair. games against Philly have actually been very close for us somehow. Yeah, I, know. I, I think really, both of them. They didn't play their studs when they played here. Like they, they they're in a different tier. They're in a different class right now, and they could okay. just do this if they wanted to. So the first seventeen games of the season, first half of the season, they scored twenty-two goals. But it's not that team anymore. The entire. I know. Well, it's yeah. it's the same players. They have not brought a single person but that, in, but yeah. they, they just turned on and yeah, are scoring good team six. We've done that before. We've been that team. Yeah, I do not do not want to play them in the playoffs if we make it. Somehow, somebody else upset them, please. <laughs> Brian, Brian, what's your prediction? So weird that I that I think that they'll just sort of figure out a way to get in. I have no respect for Miami. I don't think they're very good at all. Um, I'm just like, I'm still just, just chafed about that, that breakaway goal that we gave Gonzalo a, because I, I was watching the game with my wife and I go out of there and it was over. And maybe that's why we're reluctant to push up field because we have post-traumatic stress syndrome from giving up that dumb goal down in Miami. Um, this team seems to me to be kind of weird. And, um, I would the range of outcomes I we get in it's MLS who the hell knows what's going to happen it's it's designed that way it's designed for chaos how many uh support shield winners have flamed out a lot most, Quite a lot. most yeah. of them yeah it means nothing. I mean, when we when we won it in 2020 Philly won the supporter shield it means nothing to me just get in and create chaos. Maybe they could figure it out. I don't know. I, I'm going to give a weaselly answer here. I, I expect a range of outcomes. I, if I had a lean, I would say we miss out because of ties. I think we beat Charlotte. They're not very good, but the other two are probably going to be ties. And that's probably going to do us in because what else should do us in, but draws we're going to, we're going to finish like a point out of the playoffs having like left last year. 
40 points on the table. And at that point, you know, there have to be changes. Sorry. You know, that's the, that's the nature of the beast. And really you don't, I don't think you have to change the team itself all that much. I would like better wing play. You know, I I'm about done seeing Diaz's heavy touch. If you can keep the spine together, I think it, it would be, it'd be a good core, but that's a conversation for a couple of different weeks. Yeah. And, and I think from winning you, you've, you've seen, you've seen, you've seen Diaz actually jump in production when Cucho came on. And because it seems like Cucho's literally coaching him. Maybe that's all it took. And maybe that is all it took. But having said that, I think we've talked about the Columbus crew um, way longer than I had wanted or expected. Uh, but also I understand Dude. the reasoning behind it. So let's look on to something more positive and talk about crew two, which pounded FC Cincinnati two to the tune of nine to zero. That is nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, FA eight, cup nine. Result. This is a like very, an FA Cup yes. result. Where yes. it's a, you know, it's a it's a, like a national league team that ends up playing a premier league team and they just get pounded. Yeah. Because I would say it's, it's incredible to me that a lot of the clubs obviously are not taking this opportunity to develop talent seriously. Well, for some teams, it's just so new. Cincinnati didn't really have much of an academy. They've only been around for a couple of years. So these these teams, some of them are just haphazardly sent out. And that's where you get this 9-0 destruction. So, like, some, I think it'll get better as the years go on. Obviously, Crew 2 took it seriously. Some other teams didn't have that. I would say there, there's an essence of revenge, though, because FC Cincinnati did beat Crew 2 in Cincinnati on penalty kicks just a mere weeks ago. So I think there was there was some semblance of revenge there. And I almost feel like Crew 2 is like, oh, well, I guess Team 1's not doing it, so we're going to do something. Um, and that, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. That's great. Uh, I would say everybody on their mother scored on the team, but Jason Russell Rowe had a super hat trick with four goals to secure the golden boot for uh, the first MLS next pro season. Uh, the crew two now goes into the playoffs as a number one seed winning the East. Uh, I don't, do they have supporter shield in, in the. I don't in, think they the have it. Pro? So they like, they won the league. They won the number one overall like table, okay. but they don't. So basically a... they won the supporter shield. Right. Yeah. Well, it would be the supporter shield. Yeah. And, and then uh, Crew 2 will play on this coming Saturday at 3 o'clock against Rochester, which has given Crew 2 trouble. But before we talk about playoffs, Drew, you were there because you left the yeah. other game early. So give us a rundown of what, what happened, what it looked like, um, just how the overall feel was. Okay. So I got there in about the 12th ish minute or so and it uh, obviously it's the crew were the better team uh since i didn't have a ton of offensive possession and then they just stomped on uh, i think it was uh parente or 
um, one of the one of the midfielders, they just I, I stomped on him, got a direct red card for violent conduct, and then it was just all crew from there on. Uh, in the first half, they ran a much of the attack through uh, Jake Morris. Um, that was certainly their go-to guy. In the second half, it was through Mo Farsi more so, which Mo Farsi, if you didn't know, was on both game day rosters, Crew 1 and Crew 2, came straight from the Crew 1 game, came in on halftime to the Crew 2 game, and had five goal contributions, three assists, two goals. So pretty impressive. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, so they were pretty dominant, and then the, once once the dam broke for uh, Cincinnati, they just couldn't. They kept it at two three zero. I think it was three zero at halftime, and then one. So in the game, the match previously that they played in Columbus, Cincinnati gave up in the seventy fifth minute. They also got a red card in that match too, and just were outrun, completely gassed, and essentially stopped trying that happened again they just did not have any effort really once the game got into like the 60th minute and then you just saw Mo Farsi playing essentially as a third winger and Jason Russell Rowe and Mo Farsi were just having the time of their lives scoring goals and I think the the opener was from Noah Fusan who scored his first goal in about eight matches, so it's good to get him rolling. He's second on the team with nine goals um, going into the playoffs, so it's good to see him get a score. I was JV, and then occasionally I would sit on the bench with the varsity team, but that's where it ends because he actually (laughs) went in and was productive. I like that kid. I I love Rose. Well, I think you know the long view of this thing is that you're going to get we've already seen contributions from players from this club and uh, you're, you're happy to get a couple of guys that can do that for you every season. It's, it's tough to earn time on an MLS roster. Um, and, you know, for some of these kids, it's going to be, they're going to end up on a, a struggling Toronto or a DC United. They're going to get an opportunity elsewhere. So they're making their mark right now. It's going to be fascinating in five or six years when we look at the, the trajectory of, of this particular league and the development and who's sharp at developing players and, and then maybe selling them off to other teams or, you know, who knows how this is all going to go. So it, it, it is a lot of fun. How does the drew, how does the playoff, how many teams get in? How does it work? Eight teams, four teams on each side. You got a quarterfinal, semifinal, final, and then it's West versus East. And, Columbus, if they make it to the final, will host since they're the number one overall seed. So we will get home control all the way to the final, which is on October 8th. Well, that'll be fun. You know what? If nothing else, if we could host the MLS Next Cup, whatever they call it, and gather at at, uh, Historic Crew Stadium, we could get a crowd for that, right? You can even have it at lower. Crew's not playing at lower on that day. They're playing away. Yeah. We could do it there. Why wouldn't we? You know, and I bet pack- you could you could do it at either one, and you're actually going to get a crowd because there's a lot of people that don't even want to watch the first team right now. <laughs> That's true. Speaking to that, I think something very special with this playoff team. I think big Grant? picture. Um, 
it's a lot of what Brian said. This fills a big gap uh, for kind of player development. I mean, think about a guy like Isaiah Parente, who felt like yeah. he was kind of just an in-between guy, and he's he's shown a lot. Uh, and I, he only can only can't overstate how much that's probably doing for his confidence, uh, where he you know feels like he belongs to an organization now. But um, yeah, we're seeing some ROI on all this, and kind of what Brian said, it's kind of a blank slate. We don't really know what this will turn into, but it's exciting that we're kind of on the forefront of it. And I do think the organization deserves a lot of credit for doing that, investing heavily, you know, putting the work in scouting, putting a, a coach in there that, you know, sees it as a challenge and, and giving them their own ecosystem to exist and have their own character. Um, I think big picture is, you know, you think about Columbus soccer as a city of first, let's get that first MLS next championship. I mean, why not put it, put another kind of bullet up for, for our, the, the city here and, and what the crew are. So I, I do think there's, there's something to that. I think it's worth talking about and, and being excited about it. Like the, the very short timeline for this thing. When you think of what's today, September 20th, October 8th. I mean, they are just going to cram these, these playoff games in, in short order. So if, if crew two do their job, which they have shown they're more than capable of doing, I think we're going to have a real fun event on October 8th, wherever they decide to hold it. I kind of hope they hold it at historic crew stadium though. I don't Sick. know. There's something, something about that. The mystique. I think the players actually like playing at lower a little bit better. I've been able to. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've asked them that question a couple of times after uh, crew two games and, uh, they, they all like historic because it it's like home to them, but they want to get the MLS roster. They want to be on the first team. So playing at lower feels more like they're getting to where they want to go. Well, we'll move you into the new digs for that match, but you got to get there. Give them a little incentive. That's true. I agree. I agree. Well, Box. Um, <laughs> okay. Maybe they'll actually have like normal TV coverage for that final, as opposed to like the one follow cam that they have like in the second in the second deck of whatever. Really MLS should MLS should totally be making something out of this as a as a stream, you know? Yeah. Yeah, with ESPN Plus. I mean, ESPN Plus shows USL games, and you know the USL is quickly fading as, as far as any sort of importance in U.S. soccer. So, you know. Maybe Apple TV will do something. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe they'll do a, a practice run. Yeah. No, I do think MLS sees it as something to kind of bundle with all the Apple stuff. Uh, but they, they're so just, you know, cost-saving. that It's like, no, we can unman the camera. We have to do well, it. Well, so one of the things that is happening with Apple is uh, – so I think each team had their own broadcasting budget up until now. And that's where you get to local uh, broadcasters. But because Apple is going to kind of like national broadcasters, you're going to have only a, a few teams. I think it's like 10 or 14. Yeah. And so maybe some of that money that the crew would have spent on broadcasting can go to crew too. And that could improve that quality and, or just get a cameraman. Like you could pay a cameraman less than you have to, Hey, entire broadcasting crew. So, we'll I will not tell you the number of times we have <laughs> offered the Columbus crew to go out and actually live stream their like preseason games, 
pro bono. Like, we will pro bono. We're like, just just get us in, give us credentials. We will literally do it. And uh, they ignored us. So <laughs> crazy. Saying is the old saying: it's easier to say no. And I just hope. I guess. I I just hope my my good friend Neil Sika is employed by Apple TV because he is the pro's pro and he needs to be doing crew games. So it'll Neil be interesting Jordan. to see. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much we really know as far as how this thing is going to look, how much is, is it a separate package or you just subscribe to Apple so, TV? How's it going to work? It's, it's a separate package within the Apple TV ecosystem so if you have a smart tv you download the apple tv app you click that button within that menu will we're speculating here slightly there will be like an mls live section of that that you have to pay money to access kind of like sunday ticket but if you have anything else if if you're a season ticket holder at any of the mls clubs you get it for free yeah uh, and there's also something called Apple TV Plus, which is their streaming service, which is pretty cheap. That's what like Ted Lasso is on. If you just have that, you can watch some MLS games. Um, right now, I think they like it, Apple has like a, a baseball service also where they're kind of test running a lot of their sports. Coverage. One game a week. Yeah, exactly. It's small. Um but it, it's there. It's them kind of dipping their toes into sports, um, and I got Apple TV just to watch that. I, I have been slightly impressed with the production value. Uh, some of the commentary isn't kind of what I'm used to, uh, but I, I think it's been impressive to see it. Uh, and I, I am excited for kind of what this unfolds. I know we didn't plan on talking about this, and you know I could go on for a long time, but I think this is kind of a new frontier for the league and i hope they take full advantage of the opportunity and i hope uh our friends neil and jordan uh are involved in that because they're they're top class and they they absolutely deserve to be i definitely agree with that you know this is not the nfl and i don't know i'm a sunday ticket subscriber they the first two weeks of this season have been a disaster the one o'clock window on sunday I miss most of everything. And that wasn't just me. If you go on Twitter, NFL Sunday ticket was locked out. Now, if you were on their dish service, you still got it. But this is unacceptable. They have to make sure that this stuff works and it's reasonably priced because people are paying a lot of money for this and that and that. It's not much for most people to go, ah, you know, I don't need it. You're not exposing the league to more people you're you're cutting people off yeah i'm just glad that they're giving it free to already the mls fans and i I do agree with brian if it's reasonable if it's reasonably priced you can draw more fans in yeah and i I guess you you gotta get the diehards in first and they bump yeah season ticket holders i'm not an apple guy you can't see me on the court i'm holding up my samsung galaxy i say that to say if there is if, I, if I'm betting on someone to take full advantage of their technological capacity to bring in new viewers, it is Apple. Every single person probably in some capacity is tied to Apple and they will use all of that 
to spam everyone and bombard because they kind of started doing that with baseball. So I think if there's a tech giant to tie yourself to, uh, for better or for worse, I think MLS did a pretty decent job uh, getting on board with Apple. Uh, I, I we're way off fucking board here with where we're going with this, but it's, you know, so. it's coming, it's coming yeah. in a few months in March, yeah. it'll be here. I, I think what's, what's really important about what Apple is doing and, and that might lead the way for other tech companies, whether it's Google, whether it's whoever that's going to jump into that streaming, uh, Netflix, uh, Amazon prime, all that is blackout restrictions. The fact that MLS games, regardless of where they're located, are there's zero blackouts on Apple TV. I think that is huge. And I think that is, I hope that that is the uh, precursor to everybody else follow suit, following suit. Because honestly, blackout restrictions are dumb. And when they were created and when they were made into laws or regulations or whatever it is that you want to call it, the uh, the household income, the economy in general, all of that stuff, ticket prices, all of these things were in a very, very, very different place than where they are right now. And basically, people are being shut out from everything that is not over the air, uh, as long as over the air is still available, but it's still not out of market. So I'm, I'm excited about that precedent. Natty, you're going to get the Bengals game, whether it's sold out or not. But, but that didn't used to be the case, though. Back in the day, back in the day, it's like, oh, sorry, the game's not sold out. Yep. You can't watch it. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about that. That's crazy. So, yeah, I agree. Blackout restrictions are stupid uh, on MLB.tv. I'm blacked out of Pittsburgh Pirates games, which I'm thankful for. But still, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. You know, yeah. I'm three Brian, hours away from Pittsburgh. <laughs> you ever seen the explanation that like baseball doesn't exist in Iowa because it, it falls within so many different markets. If you do subscribe to MLB TV, like you can't even watch, you could all, you could basically watch like the Dodgers and the mayor, uh, you know, Seattle because of where Iowa exists in the map. And it's, it, it's, I, I live in Iowa. Columbus. I, don't, I can't <laughs> even watch the Reds uh, basically. And it, yeah, it's terrible, but I hopefully That's... we're a new frontier, like what Sammy said. That's crazy. Okay, real quick, let's um, since there is no games, we're going to talk about international call-ups real quick, and thank God there are no games because we'd be missing some uh, pretty important people. So the crew, yeah, the crew sent out a press release today, even though everybody has known about these. Uh, Milos Degnik is called up by Australia. Of course, Australia is getting ready for the World Cup. Uh, Kevin Molino is being called up by Trinidad and Tobago. And Lucas is being called by Armenia. Obviously, um, I believe Trinidad didn't qualify, right? No, but they're in a random like tournament called the King's Cup or something like that. Yeah. So basically, it amounts to just friendlies and and of the such outside of Australia, who is actually getting ready to play. Uh, Drew, I think you mentioned that there was a couple of MLS Next Pro players that got called up to. Uh, I'm not actually sure, uh, but regular call-ups are Abdi Muhammad. He plays often for Somalia. And Isaac Anking plays for Puerto Rico. These these teams aren't powerhouse teams, so um, it's not always easy to get information out of them. Well, I'm happy to see uh, Milos get called up. I know that was a big part of him coming here to Columbus was mm-hmm. minutes and prep for Australia. Um in his national team duties. I know there was kind of a brief moment there in the summer where 
he was kind of hurt and he wasn't really getting the looks, um, but he's right of the ship. And I, I've been really impressed with his play uh, this season. I think as far as acquisitions, oh, really it, he's done a great job and him getting minutes with Australia, proof of concept of, uh, Hey, come here, play for Columbus, get the job done. You're going to get rewarded. World Cup, And it keeps you engaged in the years when the USA is not in is you look for those, you look for those players, you look for your club, players to uh, show up for their nation and uh, certainly I hope he gets gets a lot of minutes because uh, I, I enjoy mm-hmm. seeing the guys have success at, at that level and it won't be too long before we're finally in November where it belongs Thanksgiving <laughs> sitting down turkey and dressing and your relatives you don't like and World Cup soccer. You try to talk. You try to talk some of my relatives into watching the World Cup. I'm going to tell you this: all of my relatives will be watching the World Cup because they have to. I'll just join your family then. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that that sounds like a plan. I think uh, usually if I'm going to massive report, massive report turkey dinner. Hey, I'm I'm down the World for Cup. That. I think we I'm should. down for that. My my in laws do should. my in laws do their Thanksgiving festivities early in the day, so I'm all for doing something in the evening with uh, a bunch of people. So that sounds like a good idea, Brian. That's why he gets the big bucks. That is why he gets the big bucks. All right. Well, uh, I think that will do it for this episode of the Madison Report podcast. Uh, Drew, do you have any parting shots? No, I'm good. Thanks. You're good. All right. Grant, do you have any parting shots? Great job, Sammy, stepping in. Brian, thanks for coming on here. Always a pleasure working with you. Uh, I think we we did a great job. We did. This is a great pod. Everyone, full effort, full 90 minutes. I'm impressed. Love, love (laughs) that. All, I think we all did an equal amount, and this podcast is a draw. (laughs) We get get one (laughs) point. One point. Unlike Grant we make this, this is why Brian gets gets paid the big bucks to host the podcast. <laughs> it's a draw. Well, it's a draw. let's hope let's hope that the next time we assemble, we're talking about victory. It's it's good to catch up with you guys after uh, many weeks away, and uh, I look forward to uh, the playoff charge. So let's get together again next week and figure out how it's all going to work on the Mass Report podcast. And thanks to Saucy Brewworks, let's go to Saucy next week, huh? Let, it, let us go to Saucy next week. Let's not have like any last minute changes like we had today. But uh, we thank you all for hanging in with us. And yes, like Brian said, thanks for uh, Saucy Brewix, uh, third and Michigan. And we usually try to hang out down there, uh, but we've had some crazy scheduling conflicts in the last few weeks. Uh, so hey, we're gonna try to be back there next week. Uh, there's good beer. There's definitely good food. And uh, we're, we're down there. Come hang out with us. Maybe even uh, air your grievances if things are not going well. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it for this episode of the Massive Report Podcast. We thank you for listening. And we hope you join us next week. Have a great uh, evening, day, whatever time of the day you're listening to this. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>